everybody, and welcome to the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. My name is Colby Dros, and I'm the president and founder. Paragon Sports Consulting is a player advising firm helping players of the ages 14 to 20 navigate their path to college hockey. Today, we're very lucky to have Jason Fortier, the head coach GM of the Odessa Jackalopes in the North American Hockey League. Uh, Jason uh, played Tier 2 OHL. He played overseas, attended Humber College, and got into coaching at the midget level and has been well-traveled with the OJHL, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He's coached in the OHL, BCHL, and now this fall he'll be in the North American Hockey League. Um, over that time, eight championships, over 100 NCAA Division One commitments, uh, QMJHL League Championship, two Junior A League Championships, National Championship finalist, and most recently was named a Coach of the Year in the BCHL and a finalist for the CJHL Coach of the Year coaching the Coquitlam Express to 47 and nine. Uh, what's going on, Jason? Man, not much. You know what? Nice sunny day out here in Ontario. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I again, uh, the last couple of episodes, we touched on just how this originated, just trying to give parents some information, let them hear, get to know some different coaches where their sons might be playing for. So really appreciate you coming on. And I guess just to start, like, obviously you've had a lot of success. I mean, just even following you before we kind of got to know each other everywhere you've been you've had you've won you've had kids develop you've had kids go on and play in the NHL I guess like when did you uh you know start coaching and when did you know what you know you could be pretty good at it or or what when did you kind of realize like hey I can do something with this well you know I, I I got done playing around 28 but even starts even before then I wanted to be a coach from my years in junior my last year junior I made an agreement to to play for a team and said, one day I want to coach them. Uh, I've always loved it. Uh, My uncle coached me. My dad coached me. Um, There was lots of opportunity throughout my life to help and give back in other ways when I was coming up playing, doing hockey schools. It's just something I really enjoyed. And when I got into coaching, you know, you always feel like you're going to be, you know, good at something. You're going to excel. The one thing that I've always, you know, kind of thought was, I'm a pretty good coach. I really believed it. And then when I look back now, when I first started, oh my God, I'm, I was horrible. Um, you know, you're young, you're, you're, I was immature. Um, you know, I, I wanted to win. I, I was just so, so pressing on every, every day was, was like the highs and lows. And, you know, as, as you move on and you start coaching, it really makes a difference as you start to mature and understand it's a process more. And, you know, I think that's something that I, uh, I take pride in is more about the process and the relationship side of it. Yeah, I think too. I mean, you can learn as much as you want from other people, but until I guess you, I mean, you, you've had a ton of experience and I'm sure getting actual real life experience coaching, you probably learned something different or how to do things differently every single year. You know, I'm still, and you still are. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You really do. And, and the other thing is it's not even just learning from other people. Like that's a big part of it and communicating and having truthful relationships with other guys and other guys that'll tell you stuff. But it's also, you know, when you're working alongside people, I didn't really have that growing up. Like when I, when I first started coaching, I was an assistant coach for half a season. And then I, I got moved into a head coaching role and I thought I was ready, which, you know, I, I had success, but it, it was just, I, I had to learn about growing pains. But I think I was really fortunate that I never had that opinion that I'm the greatest and I know everything, depending on who you talk to probably. But, uh, you know, I really think it was uh, – 
it was a matter of just I always was trying to learn and try and pick guys' brains and go watch it. I used to watch practices on all different coaches and just see how they do things and what's their, you know, how, how tough are they on their team and do they, are they attention to detail? Do you see kids goofing off? Like I used to watch tons of coaches and I was fortunate at that time I worked in an arena. So, you know, my boss would say I spend more time in the arenas than I did in the, in the store where I work, but yeah, it really helped me and it helped shape me of what I thought would be, uh, you know, something that I wanted to be when I was coaching. Yeah. And I, I think kind of like going into your first, I mean, I know you started coaching at the midget level, like in the United States here, we've got, I mean, we've got a hundred million programs and it's like some are academy, some are traditional midget. I mean, there's a lot of programs that there's some that do it the right way and focus on development. Some are kind of just, you know, talent loaded. Like you won a national championship at that level. I mean, what do you think at that age? I mean, you're, you're dealing with, I mean, as young as 15 years old through, I mean, some kids 18, you know, what, what should be the primary focus when, you know, coaching at that level, at that age, in your opinion? In my opinion, it's no different than junior A. Um, the only difference to me is when people are paying money, and I've always had this philosophy that when I was coaching minor hockey, everyone had the play. It was, it was mandatory on my team, and it didn't mean it was going to be equal, but it meant you had to give them a role. You had to give them an identity. You had to tell them about responsibility. Now there's ways they can lose ice time and lose trust and lose that opportunity, but you have to allow them to learn because they're not coming to you fully prepared to, you know, eat 25 minutes a night and, and be perfect. So you're really trying to shape that and, and shape the mindset because half of it's a mindset of, you know, will you be accountable? Will you be accepting of your role? Will you be appreciative of what you're doing? And one of the things, um, you know, one of the things I, I talk about quite a bit, uh, with my teams is we talk about appreciation before expectation, appreciate what's being done. And then you can start expecting some other things. But um, I think when you're a kid and you're looking to play, whether it's U18, U16, find a coaching staff that you think, you know, of values that you, you consider. And, and I've seen these powerhouse teams where they recruit the top talent. Maybe some kids are there for free, whatever the case may be, there is no right and wrong. It's what's right for the individual. And if you can play on one of those teams and they do everything great and they bring in coaches, fine. But you need to have, and especially now, there needs to be an element of skill development, everything you're doing. That doesn't mean you don't have tough practices. That doesn't mean you don't have compete days. That doesn't mean you're not going to work on systems. But there's also a recognition of, of a habit set and a skill set and a technique set where, where an athlete is, is going to learn some of those traits and, and work on that. Uh, for instance, when I coached Major Junior, I would take guys that weren't in the lineup. So that tells me it was disciplinary or A, they didn't have probably the talent to play uh, quite a bit. So what I would do is I would do skill development with them and try and give them some game situation so they would get some uh, cardio as well. But I really focused on skill because if they're not good enough to get in the lineup, well, just bag skating the kid's not going to make them better. So you got to break down the barriers and then you got to understand you know, what motivates that player sometimes and, you know, getting a relationship with a guy when you're saying, Hey, we need you to get a little bit uh, better in this area. And, you know, at least if you're working towards it and not just identifying the problem, but you're creating a solution, I think it really helps. Yeah. Like everything's about preparation. Like even that example, you're trying to prepare them for the next game. So they might have an opportunity. And, and even at the midget level, like you're not going to midgets to college. So you're preparing for the next step. If that's junior, major, junior, tier one, whatever, you know, it's, it's finding the right staff that actually cares is doing it for the right reasons can help you identify what you need to work on enhance. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point. And I, and even just touching on that, like OHL, QMJHL, like 
you know, how has coaching at those levels, you know, helped you become a better coach or what have you brought, you know, from, from those higher levels down to the tier one junior A, like what has helped you, you know, what do you find maybe a little bit different um, or the difference and, and what kind of a, what do you bring to your coaching philosophy, you know, coaching in the BCHL and now the NA um, and everywhere in between? Well, I think part of what I, what I learned while I was there was, you know, some of those players are extremely high end, you know, you have first round NHL draft picks on your team. What separates them from the fourth line guy or the 17 year old or 16 year old. And then my first year we went to Rouen Aranda and I was fortunate to be with a great team. Um, I was needed as a coach. Like it felt, it was very, uh, it, it was very, much the perfect situation to go into. And then we had players that, you know, they, they would work hard and they wanted skill development and they were always training and preparing, but the way they trained off the ice, the workouts after practices, even after games, um, you know, coming to the rink, the amount of time they put in, it really opened my eyes. Like I was known to be a hard coach where I was demanding and I was the type of guy that wanted kids at the rink to, to work on it and to learn and, they want it. They got to want it. You got to want, you got to love hockey. And when I went there, I was, I was surrounded by like-minded individuals that just loved it. And truthfully about three, four years before that, I had had the same thing. I had had those type of kids that just loved it and wanted to get better every day. And, you know, no, no secret. We won championships and it's through that passion and love. And they just, they just kept getting better. When you're looking at a major junior guy, like a first round draft pick, I'll just, I don't want to be a name drop or anything, but Timo Meyer. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Timo Meyer would, would come on the ice and talk to you and be like, coach, can you help me? And you'd, you'd walk through things and stuff that he was great at. He still wanted to master. And you can, you can appreciate that level of intensity that he wanted to get better at it. And it wasn't just with me. We had a goalie coach who never played forward a day in his life or defense a day in his life. He was a phenomenal goalie from the U.S., Joey Paraconi. And Timo sometimes would ask him for stuff in practice, like, say, towards the end, if we were working on something, I might be with some guys, so Timo would be there. He treated Joey with the same amount of respect as he treated me or the head coach. And it's just, a, it's, it's just an appreciation for somebody that's there to help you. And I think that was something that I really looked at, and, and I've, I've carried that with me. Um, and, and I've carried with me from Major Junior just the – you're, you're on the first line. You're playing against NHL players. Those guys, there's guys on other teams next year. They're going to play in the NHL. So you got to make sure you're sound defensively. Even if you're skilled, even the skilled guys got to become sound defensively. So I started bringing that more into what I expect from whether you're first line, fourth line, you know, you have an expectation of the hockey club and uh, it just, it's something that we, I carried with me and uh, it's been uh, paying dividends. Yeah. And bringing that down, like with you, like, it's obviously translated into tons of guys going on to play. I mean, over a hundred kids who won a division one over all your stops and in coaching as a head coach. I mean, what, you know, obviously these kids have to have talent, but I think what, what are you doing that's maybe a little different than the next guy or, or your philosophy that's led to, I guess, elite personal development. I mean, going into also to the team development, but you know, all these kids are very different and, and all the kids committing and going on to these big time college programs. Like, are all going for what their, you know, their special talents uh, are, you know, what they're going to contribute at that level. But what do you think you're doing day to day to kind of help these kids with their individual development? Well, I think for me, it starts before the day to day relationships there. I think a lot of it is a pre-screening, uh, getting to know the family, getting to know the background, asking what the kids' grades are like, what's his ambition, 
you know, because if I'm going to market a player, I want to know how marketable he's going to be within my program. Um, and it's a lot easier to motivate a player who's got maybe a scholarship or he's right there than a guy who doesn't have the grades and knows he can't play. I'm not saying guys aren't going to be self-motivated, but it's a select view that, you know, when, when it's a Friday night and you haven't gone out for three weeks in a row because the season's busy, that guy with his head on straight looking to go to school he understands the process. Sometimes there's guys that are like, well, I'm not going to school. So, you know, maybe I, I'm going to go and take care of my own needs. So it's putting the team first. And I think a lot of those guys that have that self-motivation to make sure their grades are good, have the self-discipline to make sure they eat right, get the rest. I think that's a big, that's a big thing in the screening process. And then when you're with them, it's being honest. It's having a relationship. It's, it's letting them know where they stand. At least my belief is, I always talk to the players and let them know when I'm happy or when I'm disappointed or, and how do we fix it? You know, there's an open door policy. I want to have a relationship. I want to talk, but not every talk's going to be, uh, Oh, you're doing great. Just keep working. No, some of them are going to be, I'm not happy with this. This is why. And you know, and I've, I've coached enough players that I can give them examples of how, how it doesn't work. I can use myself as an example. I led a junior A league in scoring. I still ended up nowhere. So just because you're good now, it doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to be in demand. Yeah, and obviously, I think honesty is the biggest thing. And today, I think some people have a little bit of a problem with it. But the fastest way for me to be is, is a straight line. And to get better is just be honest and, and kind of come up with a plan forward. You know what I mean? Or, or have expectations like you're talking about. And with that, like these kids moving on, obviously, colleges are, are – I mean, they're trusting that if a kid's playing for you, they're prepared for their program. You know, uh, there's a, I mean, I, we can go on the list of schools. Of, it's a variety of, that goes across the whole country. I mean, obviously you're not speaking for these schools, but you know, if you had to guess, what do you think, you know, their confidence in you, like what kind of collective answer would you, if, a, if you took a survey of the colleges, they would have an answer for as far as, you know, their trust in you preparing them for their programs. Well, I think we were in a group one time and a couple of junior A guys asked, well, why do you take a lot of his guys? You know, because, uh, you know, sometimes I have a guy that might be just as good or whatnot, but I think a lot of it comes down to trust and they understand what I'm preaching. I think they respect the fact that I hold guys accountable. I have demands as a hockey coach on and off the ice. It's not just a, hey, if you play well, you get this freedom. It's everyone has to uh, adhere to team rules, team system and nobody puts the team ahead of themselves. And I think it's just, you know, again, when you're talking about kids coming in to D1, you've got that 25%er group that doesn't matter who coaches them, doesn't matter anything, those guys are just, they're, they're the easy, can't miss. Then you've got that 50% of pretty good, they're probably getting a scholarship, because what school depends on their grades. And then there's that last 25% where, you know, you, you have that, that coach's input and, and it could be a, a, the finishing point might be his character, might be his discipline, might be his off-ice habits, the way he prepares, you know, every day how he comes to practice. Is he a guy that has that passion? And I, I've, been, I've been known probably to be a straight shooter that just says it the way it is, and I'm not going to vote for a guy and ruin my reputation. But I'm also talking to the player himself, and I'm giving him the same story. Like, I'm not going to vote for you if you're not going to do this or if you don't love it. So I think when you're, when you're talking to them and you're honest and – I guess I think the one thing that, you know, I'm honest, I say things that, you know, I, I think I hope they trust and respect, but I would say all my players that have gone through me will say that I care. It's not, it's not just a, Hey, I want to win for me. It's, you know, I, if I never win another championship, I've got enough that I could, I have so many great memories 
but what feeds me and what makes me uh, excited every year is it's sitting back when you win. And, and there's, I can't even describe the feeling of winning because it's not even something that I think when you're pure about it, it's not something that for you, but it's when you're talking to your players and you get to sit back when they win and you see them, you see the relief, you see the joy, you see the emotions that come out. You're in your raw form of emotion and, and to watch them go through that, it's such a powerful thing. So that's what really inspires and motivates me. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the individual uh, advancement, the uh, kids going on to college has to be, you know, uh, a great thing like you, you you're proud of and I think too just going into the team accomplishment I mean I think what's really awesome about your your experience and, and your background is like you've been in the OJHL you've been in the OHL QMJHL BCHL now the NHL and it's like you've had success across all those different leagues which are very very different um, I think I, like what what would in your eyes I mean again in your opinion like general concepts you find important uh, for building championship cultures that for you, has obviously worked across many different leagues that are vastly different. Like, what, what would you say to that? Well, I think every team I've had that's had success, whether I've been the head coach or assistant coach, it's, you know, and, and it's cheesy because I watched the Jordan documentaries this week. So I, I kind of wanted to wait till I'm getting closer to the season to use some of that as motivation. And he talked about Phil Jackson, um, and I've read a bunch of Phil's books, and, and, and he talked about how he has an ability – to get his best players to buy into the team. And I think that's the number one thing is having guys that long gone are the days where I'm the best player and I can do what I want. There's still those attitudes out there. There's still parents that think, Hey, my kid's the best. Why do you coach him? Well, I, I don't care how skilled the player is. If he doesn't want to listen to my voice, if he doesn't want to listen to any coaching or tips or technique advice, if he thinks he's uh, he's what I call a little ripe, he's just, he's perfect he's probably going to start rotting. Um, you know, it's the old fruit theory. Anytime you think you're ripe, you begin to rot. So I want everyone that's always willing to keep getting better. And I really think that the players of today, there are so many motivated kids that it is not that challenging to find them, but it's trying to find that balance that fits your own program, the culture of your program. I, I resonate better with kids that work hard. I, I enjoy having kids that want to work. So finding skill guys that also have an, an, an enjoyment to compete, to work, and, and have that skill, you know, that's a, that's a treat. But I'll always side on the air of caution of skill before will. I always feel like you can push somebody with skill and maybe get them to buy in, where sometimes you have a guy that has all the will in the world, but he stick hands the puck and turns it into the size of a nickel after he's done. So you got to find that right balance. Yeah. And I think just touching on players and, and the balance, like you've touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know, there's a lot of really good players out there. And I know you, you touched on doing your background, getting to know the kit, but anything else that you can add, just like how important is character and understanding the type of people you're bringing in. So, so you have a good culture, you have a good team, you have good talent. I mean, how important is it just to, to learn about the person himself? I think that's huge. I think, you know, everyone talks about social media and I know I'm a victim of it as well. I go on and look, um, my staff doing the same thing. We're looking for different things. Um, you know, we're looking for guys that have maybe a little bit more of the likes and things towards sports rather than music or different things. Not saying you can't have other interests, but you know, guys that are, that are dreamers, I'm looking for dreamers. So when I talk about culture, the culture doesn't have to begin at home with the family because not every kid comes from the greatest of backgrounds. But what it has to come with is 
most of the kids I've had, if, if you look at why they're so special, it's they've had a great upbringing. Their parents are phenomenal people. And, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but that's also said on the negative side as well. I, you know, you yourself, we've sat in arenas and you can hear some of the parents and you hear that. And a lot of times when, when you get close and you start to recognize certain players and I go stand near their parents where I find they are. And I want to hear is their parents always just talking about their kid. Are they mad at it? Oh, this guy, my son's better than him. Like you really have to pay attention to that because that's something you got to try and, you know, nurture out of their DNA to say, Hey, listen, you're, you're a big part of a team. You know, it's not about you. Yeah. Your line mate might make a bad play, but you make bad plays at times too. Um, whether your work ethic is, you know, to be an F1 on a four check. I like to go with a four check mentality where we're aggressive. Well, if I have a bunch of guys that like to make everyone else go work for them, well, it's not going to be a successful, I'm going to be beating my head against the wall. Um, so that culture of, you know, having those players that are accountable to each other and having guys that are accepting of coaching and appreciate what you're doing for them as an organization, you know, these teams shell out a lot of money, you know, they, they hire coaches, they, they give you all your meals, you got bus trips, they do a lot to help your development. So be appreciative of what they're doing. It's not just like, oh, you're a junior A player, it's expected. Like, not every program runs the same way. So when somebody does something over above, respect that and, and really give back because people are, people are doing this for you. It's not, it's not for guys like me anymore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, those are some great points. And I think just shifting gears into, like, Coquitlam now, like, you obviously, I mean, I don't know if people that are listening to this or do listen to it, they, they might not know that when you, you got there, um, you know, is, is, I guess I don't know if the word is struggling, but they, you know, they weren't having the seasons that, you know, while you were there and, and going 47 and nine, you know, what, what do you think, you know, everything you've talked about, what led to success in Coquitlam when you took over? Um, talk about that experience a little bit. Um, and then obviously, you know, the pinnacle being this year, where you guys had an unbelievable season. I had a chance to see you play in person. Um, you know, what kind of led to all that success? Well, I think when I got to Coquitlam, um, I was, I was coaching a U18 triple A team at the time. And, um, you know, eventually they went on to compete for the national championship, but I left them at the end of November and I joined Coquitlam and I'd watch games and yeah, they, it just really didn't play the way I think a team should play. So when I got there, there were, I think 22 and three, so 22 losses, three wins, and, you know, they were down there on a 12-game losing streak, something like that. And my first day meeting them, it's funny because I knew two players and they were so surprised at how I came in and met everyone. They thought I would come in and be demanding and let them know this is going to be a new way. And, uh, you know, I was coming in just saying, guys, we're only going to work out of this and there's nothing to lose. And it was a little bit more of a positive vibe. But there were going to be expectations and we're going to do this and it was more skill and we just did a ton of skill development and we just really pounded in video. Cause I, I I'm a big believer of video is the greatest way to educate. Um, Cause players don't watch enough hockey anymore. So we have to do video with them and you have to show them something that they're interested in. And, you know, I hear college guys talk about the eight minute, six minute, 10 NHL is different. These NHL guys, they're, they're the, the peak college guys. They do the eight minute video. Some of them, I, I do a 20 minute video session. Maybe could be 30, could be 10 minutes. I don't have a, a, a time that I always adhere to. And sometimes I use a little stand-up routine and then I practice for a secondary uh, income. Maybe one day I'll be doing stand-up somewhere, but um, we have a lot of fun with it. So I think when, when I got in, we really focused on, you know, changing the mindset, changing the way we view hockey and what we can, not what we can get out of the game, 
what we can get while we're in the game. It's not so much a withdraw. It's more of a, it's more of what you're going to get while you're doing it. You know, there should be some joy during this game. Uh, so we did that and we, we had a good change. We ended up finishing 12, 16 and three, which I was really proud of. And then the year after, you know, again, it was hard to recruit some players, you know, you don't want to go to a team that is probably in a rebuild. So a lot of the 20 year olds didn't want to come and, you know, we did a good job rebuilding. We found some really good kids, had great culture. And, you know, last year was basically the stepping stone that allowed us to get to this past season where, you know, we, we set all the records and, and had a unbelievable year, but it was through the culture that was created the year prior. It was how we, we, we just went about our business every day, the fun that the kids had at the rink. And, and we had a chance to win two years ago. Like we had a team, we played against a team that won the championship. We're the only team that beat him in the playoffs. It was just something that, um, you know, most of the kids, if you talk to them, it started that mindset of, you know, habits. It started the mindset of, you know, having habits every day of practice and technique. We're working on your habits and your technique over and over. And by doing so, it became secondary. It was just second nature. Yeah. Yeah, and you touched on, I guess, you know, people are always asking, well, you know, your recruiting philosophy, I know it's different and maybe it's different team to team or league to league or, or kind of same kind of general points. But when you were in Coquitlam and trying to turn the program around, you know, if someone just for parents to understand, you know, how did you guys go about actually recruiting? I mean, was it something you traveled to events? Did you rely on, you know, advisors, uh, colleges, uh, friends? You know, what, what was the main kind of, I guess, source of where you started to find players for the next year commitments or, or letter of intents? Well, being at Coquitlam, we didn't have a big scouting staff. So that was something that we had to, we had to tweak, but in reality it was based on just relationships that I had had with other guys, um, you know, starting with college coaches. Um, we were looking for players that wanted to come in and, and hopefully play a year or two before they went to college or guys that were identified by colleges. And, you know, if I had 30 names mentioned to me by colleges, maybe only 10 of them I was actually interested in because maybe, you know, other variables that came into play for what I needed or position wise. When we're recruiting, we're not recruiting just, oh, just blank talent. We're recruiting maybe a certain role player. And some of them maybe are less skilled than others. Maybe some guys are more skilled than, uh, than a, a lesser skill, but needs work in something. So you got to make sure you know what you're getting into. Um, then we were dealing with advisors. You know, the advisors are always reaching out. There's tons of guys that, that will send me info that, you know, just throwing, throwing it against the wall. Then there's some that I really respect and, and really go down the road with. And I can understand, yeah, they watch this player. They're giving me the exact goods. And then, you know, when we watch that player to evaluate, then it lines up. It's not, you know, this guy's telling me this guy's a fast skater with really good skills and he's got 12 points in 35 games. Well, something's not lining up if he's, if he's really skilled and he's really fast and has all these uh, talent talents, but yet he can't put uh, points on the board. And then there's other variables where a guy says, hey, this kid was on this line. He didn't put up a ton of points. You know, he grew three inches. You know, there's a backstory. So you start to look into the kid and look into the backstory. Um, and when we, when we would go watch, uh, obviously the national championships, you're always going to take kids from winning programs. That's a big part of what, what I believed in. So you look at that and then you look for um, whether it's prep school, whether it's a, um, U18. I didn't really care personally. It wasn't about, you know, you get one certain player. 
we all get, you know, the stereotype of this versus that, but you know, there's various different types of players in every league. You just got to do your homework and find, you know, the right guy, the guy who wants to be better. And there's some, some players that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I, and I have spring programs. I used to go to Boston and different things with, and you get to know those kids there. And all of a sudden a guy who you might not have thought, you know, that highly of plays for you for a weekend. And wow, you're blown away. The kid's character, uh, his kid's work ethic, his IQ, just little things that he does. You see a potential. So you go to bat with him and you say, Hey, I trust that you're going to get better. Um, and I want to work with you. So, you know, you have those avenues, but for a player, you know, in reality, it's coaches talk to us too. And it's who's, who's the guys they trust? Who are the guys that are low maintenance? Who are the guys they don't always have to have friction with to motivate? Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a really spread gambit of things, but truthfully, the, if you're a good kid, you work hard and you're willing to be coached, that's probably the first thing that will help you get identified because chances are the more people that work with you are going to see those qualities and promote you. Yeah, for sure. It's all about the person and the human and, and kids that you, those are the types of kids you want to work with, I'm sure as a coach. And I, and I think before, like we switch gears, like just touching on how you, you know, midget prep, U18, you know, hockey academies, whatever, you not really caring. I'm curious because, because you've coached again, a, a lot of different junior leagues, you know, for parents or players listening or do listen, like, what do you think the biggest adjustment is for some kids that come from, again, I know they're a little bit different each level, midget and, and prep and whatever, but once they step into a league like the BCHL or the North American Hockey League, or um, obviously the Q and the O is a little different, but you know, what, what would be your opinion on that? Well, I think the hardest part, and it's not like this for everyone, but for the most, you know, the, the most difficult part is not being the man right away. Um, you know, a lot of guys, we all have dreamers, which I, I told you, I look for them. But the problem with dreamers at the start of the year is they're all dreaming that they're going to be the rookie of the year. They're all going to be the most important guy in the team in a year or two. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And sometimes, you know, they're just never going to be that player, whether they're coached by me, Scotty Bowman, or yourself. Um, it's just, a, it's just a, a type of thing that if a player really wants to get better, he's got to put the work in. And, you know, there are some of those challenges with, you know, attitude, being on time, uh, the discipline, you know, eating right. You know, they're busy. They're at the rink a long time. So part of the part of the DNA, I find, like I used to always say, when I get a kid from prep, a lot of times he's played freewheel hockey, I called it, where he was able to probably do a little bit more than you probably should. He might turn over the puck a little bit too much, but then it becomes something that you teach them about the uh, the do's and don'ts and what your philosophy might be on puck possession or, you know, turnovers. And, you know, it's something that you really got to focus on and, and go over with them as a team, not just isolating on them, but you, you do it with the team, but sometimes you might focus with a kid. And then that used to be what I thought was prep school. Um, because, you know, again, they play split squad sometimes and split squad teams, you're very rarely practicing. You're just going into tournaments and, you know, it's not a whole lot of structure. And then you go into the U18 where you're in the whole season with the team and who knows, they might play more passive. There might be a trap team. So it's just really identifying you know, what that kid's strengths are, whatever league he played in, doesn't matter. It's what his strengths are in, in order, in your system, in order to achieve what you're trying to do as a team. Um, and I'm not saying every kid has the same, you know, from prep school, every kid's the same, but 
um, and U18 kids are all the same, but it's one thing that, you know, there is a stereotype sometimes to, to certain leagues that you play in. And, you know, this, this year we took a kid out of the NOJHL. The NOJHL is not known to be the best junior A league uh, in Canada. It's one of the, it's probably one of the, the lower ones when you're looking at the scheme of things. And yet that player was unreal for us. He got a scholarship to a division one school was, was a 20 minute plus defenseman. Um, so it's not always where you played. Sometimes it's just, you got to go out and perform. And that's what this player did, regardless of where he came from. We weren't uh, pigeonholing him because he didn't play in the number one junior A league. It was just, he's a player. You come out, you show what you can do. And when you get the opportunity perform, that's the biggest thing perform. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like you just all the work you talk about putting into getting to know the player, like, you know, every prep player is not the same, but if a guy comes and he's, you have to understand, like, he's probably coming from a program that maybe they didn't have as much structure. He was, you know, the best player on the team. And that's going to be a transition for the kid, as long as you understand that, but know what his talents are, you know, because you did the homework, you put in the time, then then you're able to kind of have a plan for him as, as he transitions. Um, and I think your other point, like, I don't think people realize, like, leagues are leagues, and obviously there's better leagues to be in than others, uh, but there's players everywhere. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I there's players in, in, you know, out East, there's players in Western Canada, Ontario. It doesn't matter where you are. There, there's, you know, sometimes you need to take a step, but um, there's talented guys everywhere, but switching to like Odessa now, like, you know, new league now, this is, I think your first, first time uh, coaching in the North American hockey league. Like, you know, what are your initial thoughts on the organization? Like what you're trying to do there, you know, the type of culture you want to build. I'm sure it's pretty similar to everywhere you've been, but just kind of what are your initial thoughts on, on taking over Odessa and what are you looking to do? Well, I think with Odessa, I, I had, uh, I had numerous teams that had spoke to me this year at the end of the year when word got out that I probably wasn't going to go back. And, you know, there were teams in BC, there were teams in the Nall, um, a couple USHL teams, a couple major junior. And, you know, when it all came down to it, I had already done a loop through uh, the North American league to visit teams when a friend of mine discussed potentially buying a team. And I did a, you know, a two week long kind of going to check out facilities. And I, I actually was at Odessa one time and I thought, geez, this could be an opportunity one day. I really liked it. I thought the city, you know, it's, it's a big city. It's 280,000 when you combine Midland, which is 15 minutes away. Um, it's got a little bit of everything. The weather's phenomenal. And, um, that's not saying anything negative about any other franchise. It was just for me, what I was looking for, that was, uh, that was a real big draw. And, uh, you know, everyone knows the Texas division, the fan support and, and how things go. So that was the first part is, you know, what's there, then talking the ownership, what their mindset was going to be for the future, what their mindset was going to be for the future. Um, and then they basically, they had a pretty clear cut plan what they're hoping I could achieve. And, I think we're both on the same plane of you know, what type of program we want. We want to promote kids to college. So when, when I'm looking at uh, building a team there, that's the same mindset as the same as I had in Coquitlam. We're looking for the right character, the right kid, the right motivated athlete. And, and our program's going to be very intense. Adam Phillips is there as well. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to focus on doing a lot of skill development. Uh, it's going to be a lot of video and it's going to be a lot of hard work, but, I think there's going to be a, a light at the end of the tunnel because I think we're going to result. It's going to result in, in wins. It always does when you work hard. So there's going to be some winning as well. And, um, you know, I'm not going to be bombastic and say, oh, it's a championship right away. But I do think that 
it's not off it's not it's not off the table that next season we couldn't just come in and and have a have a top-notch club yeah yeah i mean and and like i said the stuff that you've been doing across all these leagues has led to a lot of success and, and i i expect it to do the same while in odessa and i and i one thing i think would be really interesting to hear from you like your perspective i i don't know how many games you've i'm sure you've watched a lot online and whatnot but in your initial opinion or, or perspective, what do you think, you know, the biggest difference is going to be, uh, you know, the NHL style of play compared to, uh, you know, the BCHL where you're coming from, if, if any difference in your eyes? So I've watched, obviously in the BCHL, I've watched countless, but in the NAL, I've watched now, let's say 30 games. And yeah. for the most part, it's pretty, it's pretty similar. It's, you know, people talk about BC being freewheeling and the NAL being more, uh, rigid, no. I di- I didn't see that. I didn't see the Nall being overly physical. Um, I know I know that might be the dream. And then I, I do think South Division four or five years ago maybe was a little bit bigger, a little rougher. But you're starting to see more and more teams now starting to get more talent in there, and it's becoming um, a really high level of skill. And it's just a matter of what you can recruit. You know, you're going to coach with what you can get around you and surround yourself with, and. You know, our, our mindset is we're going to recruit talent. We're going to try and be a real talented team that plays hard. And, you know, that's going to be something that I think we're going to choose to build upon and look to recruit that way. And I think when I watched other teams, there's a lot of teams with a lot of talent in that league. And, um, you know, it's just it, – it, can it be a feeder system at times for the USHL? Yep, it, it definitely does. They can take your better players. That's going to be new to me. But that being said – you know, we're just going to focus on year to year, doing the best we can. I can't control that stuff, so I'm not going to waste my time thinking about it. For sure, for sure. And, like, you know, any players that might potentially be playing for you or, or, or who knows, they get drafted, they don't even know. But what what is, like, a what is a daily schedule going to look like day to day? You know, obviously not specific time, but what should players expect if they were to come to Odessa? You know, what are they going to be getting? Is it is it – Obviously, it changes week to week, day to day. But, you know, what should the consistent theme be throughout, you know, a Monday to Thursday? Well, I think the one thing about at least one of the philosophies I have is we we really think that the opportunity to get on the ice in the mornings is key. Um, now, there's guys that are in school at times, and, and it's tougher and challenging for them, but they still have to make up the work. But we'll have skill development in the mornings. We'll have workouts. Uh, and the skill developments will be um, – you know, small groups. So not every player is going to be on the ice. Some days it's going to be this and you could sign up. And the only thing I'll say is everyone's got to come out one day a week, minimum extra. And then obviously you're going to practice in the afternoon. So it's a long day, um, but there's breaks in between there. And if, and if you have a dream of becoming, you know, a pro hockey player, you want to be the best college hockey player, that's the avenue we're looking for. So for instance, if it was Monday, 930, you're on the ice till 1030, might be eight players on the ice uh, just working on Monday could be a shooting thing. Uh, and then for me, Mondays for me, I don't have team practices. I only do skill development Monday. So what we would do is in the afternoon, we'd have everyone does their workouts. We might split them up in the two groups or three, depending on the, the week. And one group will be on the ice for an hour. One group will be in the gym for an hour. And one group will be in video for 20 minutes. So if you're in video for 20, then you're on the ice next. If you're on the ice, then you're going to go to the workout. So you just, it's a cycle. And there's, I call it the low stress relationship day. Tuesdays, same thing with skill in the morning, get an hour and a half, two 40 minute sessions. 
can can flip through 12, 14 guys if you have to. Uh, some guys can come out, you know, and again, I'm a track pants, helmet, gloves, elbow pads type guy. We just come to work on some skills, maybe doing one-timers or shooting. Um, you know, that's, that's something that we'll do. It's a low stress. We want you there for skill development. I'm not there to yell. I'm not there to push you. If you don't want to push hard, don't waste our time. Just don't come out. It's fine. Um, but that mentality for me has really, you know, allowed the players to make the decision and the conscious effort to say, well, if I'm going to go out, I want to, I want to do well. Yeah. And they're going to work hard. And so we do that. And then Tuesdays are usually uh, competition days where we do some stuff. They compete for stuff, team practice in there with, with the compete day. Wednesday's morning goalie session where guys can go out and shoot. Um, and then you have team practice Wednesday. It could be an hour uh, in the afternoon. Maybe I won't even have the goalies come out in the afternoon. Just give them the – they'll just have to work out after. Every day there's a workout, Monday to, Monday to Thursday. Um, and then Friday, obviously, game day skates. Uh, I'm not too huge on game day skates. We, we do them. And we do a 15-minute, 20-minute, depending on if guys want to go. Um, we might only do say 10 minutes of a team thing and then we'll break it down into little segments. Cause a lot of guys want to work on shots. Um, or maybe we'll do a face-off component for the centerman, but it varies. And, and, and depending on your schedule, depending on your performance, whether it's mandatory, whether it's flexible, uh, whether you're going full equipment, half equipment, it, it really does vary on, on, on the day of the week and the time. And I still think I'm old school where it comes to, uh, you play three and three Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, Monday's still going to be a day for me that we're going to do it. Skill day. I'd rather I'd rather them go out and work on the skills and take a Wednesday off, a Tuesday off, because I think that's what really is going to make the difference in their in their careers. How how much talent they can push into that frame and into their DNA, and how much skill we can add to their repertoire. So we we don't we don't skip skill days. That's the one day that we always keep. And I'm going to tell you, I think most of the players like skill day almost as much as compete day, but uh, it's, it's something that the players value. And I think they see the process that we're talking about. And uh, I think it really makes a difference when you're talking about at the end of the year, because you're working on stuff that you might not really get a chance to all year. Well, now we are back in the day. We used to say, wow, you know, you don't really get a chance to work on that stuff because nobody ever worked on skill. Well, well, why, why didn't we? I don't know. Even I didn't when I first started. So now I've identified that and, I'm hopefully closing that gap and making it more, uh, you know, a better learning environment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's obviously worked for a lot of years. And uh, again, across a lot of different leagues, I think too, what people don't really understand is, you know, a little, you've touched on it a little bit, but like what, what Odessa is even all about the town, the living. And I think obviously your league, especially the South and, and across the whole league, it's very competitive when it's recruiting and, and trying to tender and draft guys and, and whatever else. You know, what would you say, like, to someone, you know, obviously you have a lot of connections, you, college is very well respected, you know, someone says, well, why would I, why would I go to Odessa? Um, it's, I think I've, I've driven it a couple times, six, seven hours from Dallas, um, you know, division one, division three, like, are they going to see me in Odessa? It's far. What, what would you say to that? I, again, I, I don't agree with that. I think if you're playing anywhere, everyone's seeing everyone because it's a, it's, the, it's a great league to be in. But anyone that has concerns about being in Odessa itself, what would you say to that? Well, the two things I've heard right now in the recruiting, uh, in the recruiting game has been one is rebuild. Well, I don't really want to go to a team that's rebuilding um, or I don't really want to play on a team because I don't know if they're going to be good. 
Um, I get that and it, it bothers me, but it is what it is. It's an opinion. And then I get, well, you know, if I play, I hear if I play in that division, I'm not going to get the looks from these guys. And if I play there, the coaches, it's easier for them to get to. So my, my argument for A is the one where they're going to say, we're not going to be good or it's a rebuild. Every year, my team's rebuild. Every year. I have that many kids that have gone to college. So every year we're always, we're always rebuilding, but there's some culture and there's some players that do retain year after year that you're hoping can lead the way. But this is the opportunity for a guy, if he believes in himself and he wants a scholarship, I try and sell the fact that I do have a relationship with coaches. I have done this before with a team that was worse and, you know, the track record of success is there. So it backs up what I'm saying. And then the, uh, while the colleges might not be able to get out there because the travel, well, I've learned something uh, being in BC, being in Ontario, Quebec. If you have some players, colleges are going to find a way to watch you. And, you know, I've already had schools tell me now that I'm out there and, you know, some of the players that we've talked about already for them. And they're like, hey, I can't wait to come visit you. You know, that's a great spot. I love it out there. I can't wait to come down for a visit. So, you know, I think that's already started. And, and, and I do think there's other guys in that South Division that do a great job. And they've been promoting guys um, – all the time. And if you look at the roster, there's a lot of committed players on their team. So I think when you have a division with say five or six teams that are pumping out 10 division ones, that's going to, that's going to draw the attention and there's going to be more colleges coming around anyway. Yeah. And I think too, I think just, you know, you're not picking a, a team because, you know, you got to pick somewhere where you like the coach, you like the setup because, you know, if you just pick a team on wins, I mean, especially in the NA, like you could have a, that team could have a bad season the next year. You know what I mean? So, you know, if they're looking at, you know, Jason Fortier, I've had a lot of success. His recipe for success has worked a lot of different places. I think just over time, they're going to, you know, if they buy into that, they're going to be in good hands. You know what I mean? As long as they buy in and do what they're supposed to or what they're asked of. Um, because like I said, year to year, all the junior teams, I mean, obviously there's teams that win every single year and things like that, but there's always down years and you got to pick where you want to be because it's, it's more than just, you know, winning games. Uh, but to bring this full circle, like, I'm just curious, like, again, like, again, everywhere you've been, you've helped so many players. Um, you've definitely, you know, helped people with their lives, things like that, you know, getting them to college division one. I'm not even sure how many division three guys, I'm sure a ton of those as well. You know, what, what do you love about coaching and, and what's the most rewarding aspect before we kind of close this down? Like you've been everywhere. I'm sure you've had a lot of other, ups and downs like you know kind of kind of give us that from you well first off you're extremely complimentary which uh, I always love and uh, I should get you to represent me make me feel good all the time but um, I would say the, the big the big thing is you know the, the one the one aspect of hockey that is you know the relationship side where you get to still keep your youth still have that immaturity, still laugh and still hear stories about players because you're done playing. You know, the locker room's theirs, but you still got a little bit of a taste of it. You still get that relationship with a player and, you know, the the joking, the laughing. You know, we were talking the other day and somebody said to me, well, you, you're so fortunate. You get to do what you love um, every day. And I said, well, I am. But that doesn't mean what you love. There, there aren't bad days or there aren't, you know, there's not struggles. There's not you know, days that you have uh, some troubled times, but it still doesn't uh, anywhere come near, you know, the positive. So the, the negative there is, is nothing for me. And what I, what I really like is just seeing, seeing guys succeed, seeing guys, you know, maybe 
I always talk to players and say, well, how can I have confidence in you if you don't believe in yourself? Is, is seeing kids that come in immature or come in even mature, but down on themselves, um, come in extremely high on themselves. It doesn't matter. But when they, when they find success and you're a part of that, whether, you know, you get too much credit for it, <laughs> excuse me, you get too much credit for it or not, just to be a part of that, an unbelievable, satisf satisfying, satisfying thing. Um, I think I just got a couple mosquitoes coming at me here, but um, <laughs> that's what happens when you're at the cottage. So just having that satisfaction when, when the kids have success. And then, you know, I, I have kids that I've coached that are in their thirties and still maintaining that relationship that they care enough about me that they still feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a person they want to still have a relationship with is important. Um, it's not something that you're, I take advantage of. And just cause I'm your coach, you got to like me. I, I don't, I don't think anyone has to like their coach. You can be coached and work for people that you don't always like, but it always helps when you like the person or that person has your best interest in mind. And that's something that, um, you know, I don't take for granted either. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to build a relationship with a player, to go through the struggles with them and maybe to be a sound. I, I like giving advice, be a, be a sound advice where, Hey kid, I've done this before. I've gone through this or this player has, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, this past season we had a, a terrible tragedy with one of our players mother passed away during the year and you know I, it's something that you know you never want to go through you never want to see a kid hurt like that um so it's something that the fact that I really care about that individual that I, I feel that I at least was fortunate that I was able to be around there and console him and be a part of that process for him to heal that it uh the, the environment we created helped him heal and that's that's very rewarding as well yeah, I mean, I really appreciate everything you've said today and coming on and just the information you're, you're able to, we're able to record here. Like the point of this podcast is for people to learn about these, all these different coaches, different levels, but also to at least know a little bit about your personality and, and how much you care and your passion. So I think we've kind of hit that today. And, and like I said, I really appreciate you coming on and um, I just kind of want to give you the last word, like anything you want to add with Odessa, obviously wish you the best of luck. I'm, I'm excited to see you guys play this year, whenever the season starts, but yeah, go ahead. Anything you want to add, anything you want to touch on, you know, players that might be interested in your program, you know, what, uh, go ahead. Well, I appreciate it. I, I didn't really want to use this kind of as a marketing ploy for the Odessa Jackalopes and hijack, you know, your, your podcast, but all I can say is, you know, we're, we're a program that's going to be on the rise here. So if guys are hungry and guys love hockey and this is something they want to pursue, then by all means, we've got spots open still. We're going to have a competitive camp and uh, we're looking forward to having an unbelievable season. Hopefully with this, uh, this COVID world, we can kind of uh, move past that and start getting through and having a little bit more joy into our lives. But uh, by all means, if anybody ever has any questions, you get messages and they want to talk to me and communicate anything, you know, you got my number, you can pass them on to me and uh, feel free to ask me anything. Thanks again, Jason. And, and this has been the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. Visit us, paragonsportsconsulting.com and at Paragon Athlete across social media. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys again in the near future. Thank you.